Pick Podcast, Picks and Perspective with Chris Johnson. I hear him a little bit better than me. One, a two, checkity check. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got it. I've got it. Okay. It's good. What's up? You can go anytime. Good? Mick Rockland. Thomas. Mr. Jane. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while, dude. And uh, this is actually our first time actually getting to hang out and record yeah. anything together. I, mean, I know, right? Because the next step is uh, a hit record. You know, like, <laughs> we do this now and you know put out the... <laughs> Go big. The top 10, five, you know, top 10 record next. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being. I'm so glad that uh, it Dude, I've out. listened to so many of your podcasts now and have known you obviously mostly online, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we met previously at Dunlop and stuff, but you know, so it's so good just to be sitting with a few feet of table between us so we can look at each other and talk. Agreed. I uh, love you, man. Love you too, man. I really <laughs> love what you do in the world, and that's part of like what uh, is so exciting, you know, uh-huh. about. Uh, being friends with you as I learn a bunch from you. I learn mm-hmm. a bunch, uh, you know, on the guitar thing, but yeah, like uh, just how you uh, present what you have to share. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and likewise as well, you know, I need. I think I need a little bit more calmness in my life. And, yeah. and in fact, it wasn't too long ago when I was like, I was stressing really hard over a couple of things. I was about to have a bad, uh, a coronectomy. And I think I was really stressing hard about that. And it got mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, you know, it was just playing on my mind so much. That was the day that I uh, messaged you on Facebook. That's right. And you took me through probably the best half an hour routine <laughs> sitting on my bed. But it was just like, ah, you know. So I think at that moment, I was like, I need some more of this, uh, you know. So I definitely uh, need to take some more inspiration from what you're doing. Mm. But uh, that was a great uh, that was a great moment as well. You know, it kind of fixed a lot of things as well and kind of got me back on track a little bit. You feel uh, a little balanced, more yeah, balanced yeah, now. Yeah, 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 definitely. Are you using some of that. I try. I, I was actually um, when you were talking me through uh, some things to try, like the breathing and the posture and just sitting and the you know the way to kind of go about things. Um, I was like, kind of, I was trying to be like super calm, but also like make notes as well, um, and then right. I took some screenshots as well. So, oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, it was amazing. I'm so glad to be of help to somebody that I care about so much. You know, oh, that's cool. Man, thank you. And <laughs> and man, like I have to say, uh, how cool it is. Like uh, mm-hmm. as at, for me as a kid growing up, well, like I guess I wasn't really like a kid kid I guess I was a teenager but yeah finding Steve Vai yeah and finding like audiences listening and all these tracks <laughs> yeah, and yeah. finding you but not but yeah. I didn't know who you were really sure, you know sure. I was like oh you're the little Stevie Vai yeah yeah and um and then come to find out that uh I get become good friends with Devin Townsend and Mark Chimino right and Mark's okay. like hey you know you know Thomas McRocklin I'm like no I don't know what are you talking he's like bad for yeah. good I'm like oh that sounds familiar and he's yeah. like you know little Stevie Vai and I'm like oh shit and that's... then all clicks yeah and all clicks he's like yeah he's gonna he's gonna do a new record and wow. come back and everything and do I'm like wow. oh that's amazing and but like it wasn't just like uh, a child prodigy coming back like you you kind of like reinvented yourself in a way like I, I think so. I, I think that started, you know, it was like 2016 when I picked the guitar up again after a long, I mean, like, you know, probably the thick end of 20 years of not playing. And when I say not playing, I mean, I went down to playing like 10 minutes in three months. So Ooh. the smallest amount, and it wouldn't maintain because every time I'd pick the guitar, I'd, I'd, I'd have that fear of, oh, shit, that feels really bad. 
I'm going to have to put some serious time. And it's like when, you, when you're used to playing at a certain level and then you're suddenly nowhere near that level, it was like I always knew at some point if the, the love for playing came back, it was going to be like a hard first year or six months, you know. Sure. Um, and whilst I was away from guitar, you know, I was, I was mixing and producing and doing other things kind of you know, in the music uh, industry. I really got it. I really got into like mastering. You know, that was my thing. I mastered like a lot of records and tracks, and that was that. That was a great thing for me because now that I'm doing music again, all those kind of skills that I kind of accumulated during my time off, it's like it's coming in really useful now. Um, but yeah, I remember just like picking up the guitar, and you know, it's like, oh, this just doesn't feel good. It feels like you're playing with boxing gloves on or something. <laughs> it just felt really bad. Uh. But that was like 2016. Yeah, well, that's cool. That makes sense to me that you would have, mm -hmm. you know, had had your hands dabbling in the music stuff. Yeah, you know, all along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So although I moved away from guitar, I mean, what got me away from guitar in the first place was I got my first sampler, really? uh, my first Korg workstation, and suddenly it's like I have my Akai sampler, my Korg workstation. Um, and that was it. It was like pretty much game over for guitar, you know. And this was back when I was like a teenager, like 17, you know. And a lot of people obviously found that like really strange. And um, and probably, you know, like my immediate family, especially my dad, who, uh, you know, took me all those times to the U.S. And we had a lot of trips together. He was always there with me. Um, but suddenly getting into rap and drum and bass and then get my first sampler and like overnight walking away from Interscope Records and then bang, right, I'm doing electronic music now. People wow. are like, whoa, what the hell? What's going on here? But but I but I do have a, a really obsessive kind of personality. It's like everything that I'm into, it's like tunnel vision on that one thing, you know? So, um, you know, for example, after I <laughs> after I came back to the UK and start, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around a bit, I guess, right. here. But like, I got really into games gaming um you know it's like really really into counter-strike have you ever heard of that game counter-strike i've heard of it it's like a first person shooter mom but i just got so obsessed and I, you know i was playing like 10 12 hours a day you know so i went through a period of time where i was like just doing nothing but gaming all day and night it was crazy wow um yeah very obsessive personality well that it well, lends well to being a stellar guitar player <laughs> I, think I mean so. like the attention to detail and like yeah in the way you're filming yeah too like in the way you're kind of doing jump cut like yeah, zoom, yeah yeah are, are you doing that in a wide angle and then like that's right zoom in that's like, right yeah so um it was weird it's, it's kind of weird how i came about that you know it's like um in 2016 2017 you know i stopped playing again and i kind of figured out you know i can get views uh, online and then Instagram was a great platform for me because, you know, all along I'm trying to practice, I'm trying to write new material and work on new material, but I want to have a social presence and, you know, an outlet of some kind. So, um, so the early days, you know, I started Instagram like 2017 and um, it's really, it was really frustrating in some ways because a lot of artists and guys who I know and it had been on since 2011 2012 when Instagram first started right. so in my mind I'm like oh damn I've got a lot of catching up in a very short space of time so um so basically I start kind of experimenting with stuff that you know I could play crazy licks but just put a little kind of wazzle dazzle on the idiot on, on the editing to kind of rack up those views and um 
when I had the biggest kind of growth on Instagram, when I went from like no followers to 100k followers, uh, that was all done like in a 12 month space Jeez. and just trying to just smash out, you know, as many viral videos as possible. Um, so when I'm like, when I'm focusing on Instagram, you know, and get like three, four million views a month, no problem. Uh, but I'm not that obsessive about Instagram. I mean, it's great in the audience and I love it. That's a great platform. Um, but I'm like focusing on like other things now. So it's a little bit more balanced. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, shooting in wide and editing in a square format and using that extra real, real estate to kind of do funky sort of cuts um, yeah. while still kind of keeping it short and entertaining. I think, I think you might have been the first person to, to really like utilize that in that way yeah like I, I somebody's probably done it before somewhere but you kind of yeah. consistently brought it into a style yeah and I kind of I, you know I, I once I figured it out um, you know the earlier ones were a little bit brutal because it was just like too fast you know the cuts were like <laughs> making people sick <laughs> so it's like okay you know if, you know, get that uh, fine balance and stuff but it worked you know because it, it kind of it, it as well as you know because what's Instagram what's interesting about Instagram is there's like a small pool of people that know me from back in the day and the majority of the audience just know me for the stuff that I post and, and now write and produce and stuff music wise so it's like it's always a bit strange when they when I see them figure out the past as well and link the two together and it mm. happens all the time you know because you have like these two different um, kind of audiences on there it's kind of it's a bit strange but yeah I mean, and, and you have such a great Ibanez collection from yeah. that era right so like yeah. you got just those those nerds come out every time you're like yeah well this is the one that I used on such and such yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah. Bye gave me this when blah yeah. blah blah you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, no. yeah there's a nice collection there I've got a it's a fun I like, I've got some of them beside my bed and I kind of still wake up and kind of look at them I'm sure yeah. mm -hmm. is it so I, we're gonna get to the picks here at yeah. some point That's but I, but what I'm I'm curious is uh, about about with you in particular is mm -hmm. I um, mean, when did you start playing guitar? Yeah, I, I played my first tune, The Boys Are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy, uh, yeah. when I was four. Wow. And um, yeah, I remember kind of, you know, it was just that feeling, you know, when you kind of get the chord changes right for the first time ever. Um, it's probably one of the few memories I have from like being super early, but just playing, you know, those power chords and getting the change right at the right time. And I think I was so young, it's like my dad, you know, had guitars around, but he wasn't like a virtuoso guitar player, mm. although his name is John McLaughlin, which was always, <laughs> always hilarious <laughs> when guys in the US would like, you know, book me to do things. It's like, oh, your dad's John McLaughlin? It's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> it, whoa. it adds to the excitement. Yeah, but, uh, unfortunately, not that John McLaughlin. Not the virtuoso John McLaughlin, no. Um, but yeah, my dad always uh, had guitars around uh, the house, and he, he'd go to work and I'd drag him out from behind the TV and he kind of saw that um, had a kind of a thing for guitar and, uh, showed me my first couple of chords and I got the chords right and yeah it went from there so four yeah. Wow and uh, again before we get to the picks I'm curious about I guess what what it is is that because it's it's an interesting thing when somebody gets fame mm -hmm. at a young age yeah right and you you had quite a wide reach at a young age like yeah. through I, from what about what what age to what age do you think i'd say you know when i was like seven is when i started to get on my local tv stations mm -hmm. um and when i was eight i opened up for ozzy osbourne 
in my hometown <laughs> and that's where like the national stuff came in so i was going down london to do like bbc stuff wow. itv these different kind of tv shows um so it was like between seven and nine and ten that's okay. where like there was a, a you know a big sperm but it was it was kind of weird back then because like you know the only thing i wanted to do was get back home and ride my bmx and you know hang out with my friends right it was kind of like you know and then i'd go off to london do a tv show um and then some of my friends would you know kind of you know, did did see it on the TV. I did like Disney Club and stuff like that. Um, but you know, it's like it didn't really have an effect. It was just like it wasn't even a job. It was just you know. And I was always really, really like crazy quiet um, and shy when I was a kid. So it was like, you know, it would always make like uh, really awkward in the best possible way, like live TV. You know, because my dad would often come on the shows with me, uh-huh. and they'd be like, "So you know, we got this kid here, and blah blah blah," and I'd be like. I wouldn't even be responding, you know, like to half the questions. I'd be so shy and quiet. So often they'd just tell me to, you know, play, you know, just go crazy and shred. And that, that's when I was like completely at home and comfortable and, you know, sure. never had a problem jumping on the stage, you know, so. <laughs> that's Well, and do you feel like uh, that maybe your uh, choice to like jump on the Akai and do the beats and the hip hop stuff was yeah. kind of like a way to kind of get out of like to be able to stay home and kind of ride your bike and do whatever you want to do or um, was that I, I don't I, mm, possibly um, I mean I always enjoy playing live for sure um, and even just doing you know now that I'm kind of re- I've recently toured with Dragon Force and uh, we got to play some really cool shows and doing stuff at Nam here I kind of do like the interaction with the audience and how it feeds sure. you and stuff and even for me like sometimes if I feel you know, you just don't feel quite up to it, but you, you've just got to step it up and kind of pull through it. And then, you you know, that uh, that thing of playing in front of the audience always kind of does something to you. So I, re- I really like that. Um, I'm definitely planning on doing more to it. But, um, yeah, I, 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 it's a difficult one. I just remember really getting into rap and hip-hop, you know. Yeah. Around about the time, not, not, not long after I'd signed with Interscope Records, and they had a lot of the Death Row uh, artists on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got really into, you know, guys like Tupac and Dre and stuff. Loved yeah. that stuff. And, um, and, like, The Chronic is probably my favorite album of all time. That's amazing. I love that album. You'll, you'll, you'll love to know that uh, I'm building Dr. Dre Adelos. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. First studio. Well, yeah. I'm calling it the Drelos. Oh, my God. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I, we'll oh. see. He, he, we, so his guitar player, Kurt Chambers, is here. And like right. we've been friends for a long time through EMG and all that stuff. And okay. since I'm down here in, uh, in L.A., I was like, hey, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's build you a guitar. And he's like, yeah. And he tried out a bunch of guitars. And he really let, fell in love with the, uh, with the Delos as That's well. That's amazing. Uh, and he's like, you know what we need is we need a guitar just to stay at Dre's studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. um, yeah, I think we need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, so we we, we it's, oh, we're building man. it right now. That's amazing. Should Love be that. Like sometime next month, I get to yeah. go present. I've done a few posts uh, with like uh, one of his tracks using the Delos. Funny enough, you know, oh. a little skit, you know, kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's That's... like it's now and again. It's the the post that I put on when it's the weekend, you know. Yeah. I kind of repost that one. See what everybody's up to on the weekend. <laughs> so many good little little uh, clean guitar lines. I lo- yeah, you know, there is from and those, it, those those songs. You know? it, absolutely, um, and it's 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 all those little details and stuff. You know, it's the stuff that's not quantized. It's stuff that's not bang on. Um, the feel of those early records and stuff, and you know, particularly the Dre stuff. It's like yeah, he's he's just a legendary producer. Love him so yeah. Chronic is literally probably my number one record. That's amazing of all time. 
I love that. I, I didn't Great. know that about you. So that's like yeah. I'm learning right now. It's amazing. <laughs> cool. We, it's cool to, to share hip-hop uh, with, with a guitar player. Yeah, you know. and it's interesting for me because a lot of my phrasing on the guitar, I always, when I'm playing, I'm always writing solos like I'm kind of rapping. So that's why I have a lot of these kind of lines that are like really phrased, like question, answer, and I'm uh. trying to say as much as I can, but expecting a reply as well. Yeah. So I have a lot of question, answer uh, type of phrasing in my playing, and a lot of kind of phrases uh, as if you were literally rapping on there in terms of you know just the flow of it. Yeah. Um, I tried rapping once. That was really bad. <laughs> but I used to love doing it. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely uh, have rapped before. I have multiple songs that I'm I've sure we've created. all tried it. <laughs> I have. Well, see, I had a I have a crew that uh, of metal my metal band that I was in for years. Only yeah. Human. Uh, yeah. We all love the same West Coast rap stuff as well. Right, right. And so on the down low, not really, yeah. just just between us, we didn't yeah, yeah. really try to share it with anybody because yeah, it yeah. wasn't great. Yeah. But we had a real. It was like creating. Just it was weird to create music for a very small, tiny audience, with like five people. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, we're just yeah, passing yeah. around. This is like burning CDs and ma- mailing them across yeah, that's state the lines. Stuff, yeah, it's like check out the stupid song I made about all of us. You know, and it's like <laughs> that's amazing. One of us rapping about adventures that we've had or something, yeah. or, or fake adventures that we're gonna have. Or, yeah, amazing. <laughs> we're not Love like it. not good, but like you know, yeah. did it enough to like actually kind of get a feel for it yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool man yeah i love that it'd be uh yeah but i don't know about <laughs> sharing it with anybody <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah good good thing for me a lot of my uh attempted rapping is probably on dat or something uh and oh. i don't have a dat player anymore oh sorry <laughs> so uh sorry yeah can't there's, access it there's no transfers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting interesting uh a little tidbit too yeah so well <laughs> and because your your guitar playing started so early at four yeah uh and your dad was your primary, uh, you know, uh, like teacher at the moment. Yeah, he went. He went. He got me started. Yeah, uh, and it was really difficult in that time as well because uh, there was very few guitar uh, teachers, you know, in that area. My mm. kind of lived in the north of the UK, and guitar was like. I mean, it was a thing, obviously, but it wasn't. You know, there wasn't like like now. There's probably like a hundred teachers in my hometown. Probably sure. more. Um, probably a lot more actually. But um, so I, I, I kind of had my early start from my dad and watching Hot Licks and David Lee Roth videos and stuff like that. Rad. And listening to Joe Satriani and, and Vi. Um, then I, I, the only kind of guitar lessons I actually got uh, was a few years later when I got, um, got in like classical playing. And then my dad took me for classical lessons. It was like quite strict. Um, you know, and sometimes I'd go to my um, teacher's door and I'd fake ring the doorbell. I wouldn't actually press the doorbell because I didn't want to take it that week. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, no, just waving at the car, like, no, uh, sorry, you mustn't be in. I'm like, you know, ding dong, not actually pressing the bell at all. And uh, did you skip class? I'd skip the class. But, but you know, I did go a lot. Um, and I learned a lot of theory stuff through the classical kind of lessons. Sure. And that stuff that sort of stuck with me like through throughout my life. Um, Iron, uh, well, not ironically, just funnily enough as well, the harmonic minor is like the natural minor for harmonic as for classical. Oh, right. So that's like my default minor as an electric guitar player is also harmonic minor. Mm. But I always kind of disguise it. And, and a lot of people, when they, when they play harmonic minor, they, they start doing like these traditional 
na 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 na. Yeah, well, that was really bad. I'm, you can tell I'm not a singer. <laughs> um, they do basically they emphasize the seventh uh, raised note, right. so it gives you that really cliche, you know, Egyptian type of sound. Yeah. Um, but I kind of disguise it a lot. So although uh, my normal minor is harmonic minor with a raised seventh, I'm always kind of hiding it and phrasing it so it's not like that. And I think that's one of the things that contributes to having like a little bit of a different sound, you know, mm. as, as well as a bunch of other things. Um, but yeah, uh, but that that kind of approach to playing, and, and certainly that 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 kind of default uh, harmonic minor thing is definitely from my classical boy days, you know. But that's cool. That's fun. So you though. just use the sevenths kind of sparingly. Yeah. In, when, when well, yeah, that, and I also bend bend from it a lot as well. So oh. yeah, so it's really subtle. Um, and I kind of I blend it with a lot of like diminished and chromatic stuff. So I'm always. I'm never afraid to like play notes which are not technically in key and phrase them in. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, where's the rules? Okay, we're in this key, uh, and they're thinking straight away, what well, what modes do you think I could play? And it's like, well, you know, what I mean, you, you've got all these note choices, um, and even if you go for notes which are not technically right, if you come up with a way of phrase them right, you're gonna come up with some cool stuff. So it's like, um, so I did a lot of theory when I was a kid uh, and went through a lot of grades and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, now as a kind of a uh, kind of current guitarist, it's like I don't think too much. I mean, I have a lot of muscle memory and and the ears, you know, look sure. really good. So in terms of if I hear a chord, I can react to it really well. But I'm never really thinking um, in theory too much. You know, like a lot of people say. So um, what were you, were you what mode were you thinking of playing when you came up with this part? I'm like, it just doesn't even come into it. I don't even think like that. Um, I'd much rather kind of just go on instincts with like you know obviously you're gonna you know it's a fine balance because you know if you just stop playing a semitone out you know the instincts right. are gonna kill you but like but my preference anyway is to kind of go off the ear off the instincts and you know, react instantly in real time to what's what's coming in you know from a track kind of key center but like yeah expand like be open to all the possible interpretations yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah it's interesting i the intuitional aspect of because I don't consider myself to have like a real great ear necessarily around it naturally. I've de yeah. started to, to develop a better ear. Yeah. But um, and I did some ear training and some schooling in, in college and yeah. stuff. But uh, it's an interesting when I when I when I kind of hear something. Yeah. Like I like I love practicing with backing tracks and I love that you create all these backing tracks because yeah. uh, it's very it's very exciting and it's great practice. Yeah. Uh, to just. Hear something fresh, yeah, and and try to try to try to vibe with it, try to meld with it, try to yeah. be. How do I enhance this? Yeah, definitely. And uh, the more I have done that, yeah, the more I I, I surprise myself sometimes. Sometimes where I'm like, how did I just pick the key out? How did I just? How did my how fingers did know where to go? Yeah, I don't. I, That's and I don't. I don't know. I can't it's a great thing, it. yeah, and um, it's a similar kind of uh, thing with my uh, electronic band, McRocklin and Hutch. Yeah, which is a more like that kind of eighties uh, synthwave inspired music that we're doing, and um, uh, a lot of the time, Hutch, uh, the other producer in the band, will like send me tracks over. And it's a little bit of a, you know, he likes to choose E flat and F minor a lot for some reason. Okay. Probably just to screw me over as much <laughs> as possible. Um, but a lot of the time, the chord progressions and the bass lines, it's not something that I would write. So instantly, I'm like on the back foot in terms of like, oh, well, what, what, what do we do here? Yeah. And then sometimes I don't want to do it, you know? Um, I just like say, I, I, I don't like that track. But then I like kind of, you know my wife or somebody will go like you know just try something it says a decent beat you know mm -hmm. um and then a week later it's like 
my favorite track you know just because i've like pushed through that like initial yeah. that feels a bit janky and all you know awkward to play over yep um but it's, so it's a good thing and kind of the more you do that um it's a cool thing sometimes the you, you, something that has tension for you uh, yeah. i think i find that like or for example like when when i first hear a band or a song that i'm like uh i don't know yeah and everybody yeah. else loves it and i'm like ah, i don't know yeah yeah it, it, but when it when it when it breaks through and you actually like oh wait now i get it yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's hit that point with, it's almost more exciting because you had you had a weird relationship with it and yeah it trans it transformed totally you know? totally and, and whereas if you picked it up and you're like oh no problem this is great you know yeah like it, there wasn't attention to release yeah yeah you know but yeah. like the actual act of like not really being stoked yeah and yeah. Then finding your way in it's being a challenge you're being challenged yeah, right? exactly yeah um so that 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 happens a lot with the mccrockland and hutch stuff you know it's like you know mm. some of it just it's it's just it's super simple to shred over um, but then you have the other problem of like okay if it's super simple a shred over how, how do we get memorable kind of melody lines and that probably goes back to more like the question answer and replacing a vocalist with guitar yeah but we are adding vocals though so uh that'll well, be interesting yeah we've got some amazing collaborations coming up with that stuff so oh, that's yeah cool. can't wait cool so was your did your dad you remember the the first guitar pick that you um, had with or around well your dad, i don't or? know if it was the first one but my very early picks all the time and, and you know i was like seven and eight and you know the only pick i would play at that time was the purple two mil dunlop picks the oh. slates was that uh the gator grip or? it was just a normal um the two mil i mean you can get them now it's like that um that tortex i don't think it was talking it was the like middle. the shiny Oh, Delrin. Delrin right. 500. Right, okay. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah. The purple ones, 2 mil, um, yeah. slightly shiny. And um, I would, I, that was my, that was the pick I would use, you know. So I was about 7 or 8, I, I, you know, I'd have a bunch of those and I'd use them everywhere. And now, the only time that changed was I started going to the States a lot. A lot and if I'd run out, I couldn't get them. It was always the hardest pick to find. Weird. Yeah, uh, so it's like, uh, so the two mil was like my default, and then when I was about 10 or 11, uh, I was living with Steve Vai, um, and we we um, we recorded the Bad For Good record together, and Steve had a bunch of like, there must have been about a point eighty eight, mm-hmm. um, and they were like all over his house, you know, like bags of them, you know, sure. um, so I started using those, but then I didn't really like the shiny um, thing. I used to find like they would um, they would kind of rip into kind of too easy for me, so I started using the Tortex point eighty eight, the green ones. Yeah, yeah. And that become the became the the default pick that I would use until I stopped playing guitar. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then once I was on the point eighty eight, I found wherever I was, I could always kind of get that pick, and it was just a nice balance of flex. Uh, the the sort of feel in the hand of the Tortex was really nice, and um, and it wasn't until I started playing again in 2016 that I went through like loads of different options really quickly, and kind of landed on something that I think is like unbeatable for me. Mm. And that's when I sent you a bunch yes. of picks, and you went through all the flow and like some jazz three. Or something yes, like that. yeah, I hit the jazz trees, the red ones. Yeah, I really like those. Um, but what happened was I was because I went from not playing for such a long time to suddenly playing. 10 hours again 
and that's the kind of hours I'd play when I was a kid, you know, wow. like every day. Uh, and I, I didn't have school. I, I left school at a really young age. Wow. So in my, I had private teacher though. Sure. But in my mind, even when I was like eight or nine, I'd wake up at nine o'clock and I'd do at least school hours practicing. So I'd do like theory, I'd do like shredding, I'd do like playing along to you know jam tracks, playing along to albums, and then the theory teacher would come over and stuff, you know. So I'd have like that kind of um, approach and, you know, as a, as a sort of young kid, like I'd really pack in the hours. Wow. So when I start playing again, um, 2016, 2017, um, I went instantly to playing big hours, you know, like six, eight, nine, ten hours a day. But that gave me a lot of wrist pain, um, and my right hand was really, you know, painful, quite sore. So I found um, the Jazz 3 XLs because they were a bit stiffer, and I really like. I was like, all right, I want to be really good at alternate picking. I want, you know, because I want the lyrical um, phrasing in my playing. Um, that was the best way of getting dynamics, you know, just being really good at picking because, you know, that rap flow, again, I right. found that was the best way to do it rather than kind of thinking like economy picking and all these different types of picking. So um, so I, I was uh, for a little while using the Jazz 3 XL, like the XL shape, and then I moved down to um, the new at that time, uh, not flow, it was the prime tone, um, the original batch, which was like 0.88 and 0.73. Yeah. Um, and I was dancing between those for a bit, and for about three or four months, the .88 prime tone was like the unbeatable, and then the flow shape came along, and then that was it. It was like, suddenly, I could pick better, I could slice through the strings better, I could do things, you know, with more precision. Mm. It was just like, you know, and the pick, it's like, I, I, I change angles a lot. Um, whether it's um, you know kind of like uh, pointing like facing away from the strings or uh, the, the sort of tip of the pick pointing towards the bridge, I change the angles a lot when I'm playing, and the flow shape um, is great for that. It's just really really cool. And um, I settled on the 1.0 flow, nice. and uh, it's got a great natural grip. It's got a tiny bit of flex in it, so when I'm kind of smacking rhythm stuff really hard. Uh, my wrist is not taking the brunt of that um, punishment, right. yeah. um, but I can still go hard with the alternate picking as well. So, yeah, Amazing. the 1.0 flow. 1.0 flow. Yeah. I, my friends have been calling me the flow ho because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they're like, what what gauge are you on today? And I'm like, yeah. ah, man, I don't know. I'm like, Did you see that video I posted, the, um, the bottle? Uh, challenge. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite videos you ever did. Uh, well, I used the was it the 420, the 4.2. Yeah, this one. That is the boy. This boy here. Yeah. That took the lid clean off that bottle, <laughs> and that was a one take. You know. That's so crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was like, the I'm gonna post the non-edited version of that uh, without the slowdown. It's just me kind of like setting the cameras up, and then I go for the move and throw the pick across the table. It takes the lid off, and it's like. Oh, yeah, yeah, curse, curse. Uh, I couldn't believe it. It literally just a one shot thing. But, uh, but I think it took the power of the 4.2 flow. It's a great pick. Really cool. I have a few of these. It's fun and pick. they're actually, you know, that you think when you, when you first pick it up, you think, is it a joke? Right. Is this a joke? Because, I mean, you can hear that. I mean, it's yep. crazy. But it plays really well. It's um, one of the few really thick picks that yeah. uh, are very usable. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the bevels, but it's really usable. I don't. I don't. I don't pick it up and play with it like very often. 
but the times where I have picked it up, it's like it shouldn't be a thing, but it actually works really well. Uh, I like it, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really weird though. I like you know I like what I like, and when something's on and that's the one, I tend not to change it. You know, yeah, I'm like that with like pickups, guitars, you know, whatever amps. Sure. Yeah, although I've changed tone and stuff quite often. Yeah, but then, you know, you go through phases, right? Yeah. And you get you're really into it while you're into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it's time to change, yeah, it's time to change. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. But I think it's gonna take some some heavy pick to uh, defeat the flow 1.0. Agreed. The flow is kind of uh, it's kind of an anomaly. Like it came out, and it's dominated so hard. You know, like mm -hmm. so many players have picked it up and and decided that that was their pick. Yeah, that's uh, great. The uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I would say I think on the floor twenty. I think uh, the two that I can think of right now are Mike Keneally, okay, and Tony McAlpine. Oh, they're using them, are they? Yeah, that's yeah, that's pick. awesome. I was like, they're they're kind of like playing thicker picks anyway, right? But right. I showed that to them, and yeah, they both were like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, you know, for a certain type of playing, um, like one thing that you can get without as much um, for me. Thinner picks require more physical motion because the pick has to push through the string. So the thicker your pick, um, you can get a lot of attack, but with less physical energy used. Right. For me, so um, so when I play thicker picks, I'm interested in trying uh, these ones. Actually, this is a um, flow gloss. Through flow gloss. Okay. Yeah. Um, but for me, it comes down to tone a lot of the time as well. Like I'm really like the, the difference between certain materials is like huge, mm -hmm. and I love the tone of the flow. But the size, um, like I kind of like that. I have to work a little bit with that because it has that tiny bit of flex. Yeah. And that little bit of flex does mean you have to kind of you know get into it. It's not like your arms like bulging with like you know. But there is a physical true. difference of like how you'd approach playing with like a two or a three mil versus a one. Um, oh, it's true. Like, well, the fact that a, a thin pick, a really thin pick, like if this, I got this Justin Timberlake one. That's a point forty six. Okay. I made that for Justin Timberlake. Wow. Uh, nylon, but like you'd have to work really. You'd be working overtime to try to get that, get it back. Until yeah. It's flopping back. That's and you, right. You have to wait for it, and then yeah. And, so, and the faster you become at playing, then all these little micro things. They just all mount up, you know. Yeah, it would. There's a 420. I, I feel like when I give it to somebody for the first time, I say, "Hey, relax." Yeah. Because it's like having a lot of leverage. You you don't have to work as hard. That's right. To do yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, and, That's it. You know, so if you're doing like sweeping and stuff, this thing just glides like butter through the strings. Yeah. You know, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> so um, switching gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, growing up, did you uh, uh, were you? Do you have any religion, or did you have any spiritual practice, or anything? No, no, there, w there wasn't really a lot of that in my family, you know. Growing up, um, it was just like me and my dad. We've gone through, you know, a lot of stuff together in terms of, you know, my mom and the rest of my brothers and sisters would be at home. Yeah. Um, and then we'd hit the road together, you know, be back and forth uh, to London, and then you know we kind of eventually uh, played at a Nam show and. Um, got discovered by I think it was a guy called John McLean um, who signed me to Interscope Records and, wow. and that's where all the kind of US side of things came in from there. Do you consider yourself spiritual at all? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where do you where does that derive from? Um uh, 
I'd say going back to probably you know meeting my wife, you know, yeah. um, you know, who's a Muslim, yeah, and um, I think it's great just to have some kind of balance and and kind of beliefs, you know, it's it's a great thing, um, yeah, you, sh- you know, it's just like I, I'm just I've always been kind of super open minded and stuff and and not being closed off to kind of any um, approach, you know, it's just like you know, sure. and um, not being prejudiced against kind of any kind of beliefs as well. So yeah, I think that's uh, it's, it's definitely a good thing, you know, to yeah. kind of you know believe in in that as well. Do you uh, have you learned? I mean, how long have you been to, with your wife? Um, I got married. Well, we got married when I was like um, eighteen. Wow. We were neighbors. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Can you you've believe been that? Together a long time. Yeah. Um, basketball. Uh, that was another thing I was really into yeah. playing basketball. Cool. So my ball would go into her garden quite a lot. Oh. And I'd have to go knock on the window. Sorry, can I get my ball again? Exactly. Yes, and out would come Amoni. Yeah. <laughs> I think she thought it would be a bit weird because back then I had such long hair as well, you know? So it's like, yeah. hey, who's this dude? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how, how long before did you ask her out at some point there? Or um, just naturally? We would just become friends, actually. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, it's, it's crazy because, like, I did a little bit of teaching as well at that point. Um, so it's like I'll teach a couple of lessons on a Sunday afternoon and we go to the movies and buy pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like once a week. So amazing. <laughs> so crazy. Um, so yeah, we were neighbors and then um, it, it didn't take long at all. I think, I think it was like how we got married was like um, I was come over to LA to do um, a guest solo on somebody's uh, record. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, let's turn it into a honeymoon. Perfect. No, no thought whatsoever. Wow! Bang. So then you so, came here. And she's out. looking over, like you know, I can't hear anything, you know. And like, uh, we're we're talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, you know, and I, I think, I think a lot of things are easily overthought. Sure. Um, and a lot of people would be like, "What? You got married when you're 18? Are you crazy?" And for me, it's like. Why? It's like, what's what's the big deal, you know? Yeah. I think uh, uh, that way about a lot of things, you know. It's everything. I'd much rather look at any situation as, you know, what's the positives in it. Right. Yeah. There's no point in kind of dwelling on the negatives or the stuff that's going to hold you back. You know, it's just a waste of energy. Well, if it feels right, it feels right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it's so. Did you have you learned uh, from uh, a lot about mo- Muslim religion from yeah, your wife? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you know the lifestyle, not drinking, the discipline. Yeah, it's great. You know, um, because uh, you know what? Before I met my wife, um, I mean, I like to drink a lot. You know, really? you know, too much. Um, and I, you know, be crazy. When I was like 15, 16, 17, I was probably really fast on the way to destruction. You know, wow. um, and it was just, you know, it was just really bad. You know, I'd be like drinking a lot. People would come and visit me. I'd be like, you know, <laughs> sometimes I remember like this guy came from Scotland to do an interview with me, um, and my bass player, my drummer was in the house. We used to have like a guest house that the bands would stay in and stuff. And, um, you know, I'd be like just sick all over myself and they'd just put me in bed. And I was like oh, drinking man. every night. Um, and I didn't stop drinking actually because of my wife. Actually, it was like I, I naturally hit a point where I was like, this is just not good. You know, it's, it's not, it's just, there's just the fun had gone and it just wasn't right anymore. And, you know, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm never drinking again. And I was like 18 or so at that time. 
And um, wow. again, it's like I don't see, you know, you know the benefit. I mean, I certainly don't mind hanging around with people, having a drink, sure. no problem. Um, you know, that's your decision. But certainly, it was like I hit that point. I was like, I. Right, Nah. Well, it sounds like it's made your life better, period, like just making that choice. Yeah, I think so. And um, it's just, for me, just having a, you know, a clear, you know, I'm still probably a bit crazy and (laughs) and make random decisions, but at least it's a a sane, sober decision and, you know, it's not like the booze doing things, you know. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And, um... So we have a little bit of time left, but uh, awesome. I'm curious about like what you're listening to lately. Like, yeah. uh, is there anything that's uh, like you can't let go of, or any any artist um, that you might want to share? It changes so much. Um, I mean, in terms of like g- guitarists, you know, um, could be anything. Yeah, but yeah. It's weird. I mean, for me, I mean, I, do, I I like listening to synthwave. You know, that's that's kind of like my thing. Um, and it's 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 like sometimes I will put '90s tr- uh, hip hop and rap records on, and that that's that's just what I want to hear. And then you know sometimes I'm listening to like LeBrock or Gunship and The Midnight, which are all these kind of synthwave current stuff. synthwave guys. Yeah. And then if I want to listen to guitarists and stuff, um, I really like Chon. You oh, know? Yeah. I really like those. Uh, they're really cool guys, amazing players, um, and. I, I, there's just it's there's a nice balance you know of like insane playing but at the same time you can you can listen to it it's not kind of overpowering you know you can kind of you know it's like a, it's a really cool balance so. i called i call chan indie shred yeah yeah i don't know what i don't know if that's really it's, accurate it's but. like they're showing all these amazing skills and chops but it's it's not overwhelming on your kind of ears you know it's laid kinda, back yeah i yeah. like that yeah, uh, but there's a lot of amazing guitarists around these days. I mean, it's like it's great to see like the electric guitar at the point where it is now. You know, because growing up, it's like, okay, is it Eric Johnson, Vai, or Satriani, or Randy Rhodes? You know, or Van Halen. You know, but you had a very you know, it was like you could count on you know one hand you know who was doing who was making moves. You know, right, right. Um, now it's like it's everywhere and the guitar I think because of that has uh, progressed a hell of a lot in a very a short um, um, which is great yeah it sure has man and I, we were talking about the last podcast that how it's interesting how um, it kind of comes in waves like the the, the, the the innovators come in waves yeah. like you know like every five ten years or whatever you you have somebody that makes a real divergent mark yeah you know uh, like we were talking about uh, you know how Eddie Van Halen obviously is one that would make a big one. You know, Vi yeah, and the yeah. different people for different genres. Yeah. Uh, but then, like in metal, like to have a Meshuga or a Pantera yeah, yeah, come yeah. along and how they change the game. And then Absolutely. there's all these people that, yeah, you know, kind of have to cop that sound. You know, for sure, uh, because it 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 affects yeah the, uh, so so heavily. Yeah. That, Absolutely. And then we kind of almost wear it out. Like yeah. as, as a society, we're like, oh, we're all doing the thing, you know, yeah, we're all, all yeah, copping yeah, some yeah. influence. And then it's bang, it's something else. Something else comes along, we're like, whoa, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I want a little bit of that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, I like that. Um, especially guys, you know, are not afraid um, because you know, it kind of takes that uh, degree of like just kind of self-belief and right, no, this is something, let's, let's make it, you know, let's put it out there and do it, you know, rather than tagging onto the, the previous last genre that was... Uh, you know the the last big thing, right? Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of of good, a good homage, you okay. know. I'm yeah. a fan, like so, like you know, you doing synthwave guitar stuff, super yeah. fucking cool. I think, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and, or anybody that is just genuinely like yeah. interested in like a, a a genre or a style. Yeah. yeah. But then, but then it's always really like courageous to watch somebody like mm-hmm. step out and go no i mean i know you guys haven't heard anything like this yeah yeah but give it a shot yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, and i think you know what's what's the worst that can happen you know it's like for me um that's why you know i don't really get worried too much about playing on stage and in front of the pe- in front of people because you know the worst that can happen is you can make a mistake we all make mistakes like you know non-stop you know it's like we play so many notes you know, some less than uh, others, sure. but like the worst that can happen is you hit a bum note or a note that you didn't ten- intend to play. Like, okay, so what's the big deal, you know? So, and I think once you get rid of that kind of fear, you know, yeah. that allows you to um, play, you know, whether it's Instagram Live or other lives or in front of people, you know, physical people, uh. um, you know, it kind of changes your, your mentality on it, you know, because, you know. So that's an interesting thing too, live and playing a wrong note, right? Like, and there's yeah. all these different uh, yeah. things that I, I feel like back in the day, mm-hmm. I remember multiple times being on stage and trying to keep it together. Like if I play a couple of wrong notes yeah. or get just get a fret off or something from yeah, where yeah, I yeah. thought I was, you know, yeah, on yeah. a live dark stage and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. hear the cacophonous like, yeah. Sound. Like it's everything I could ever do to try to not like want to like not do that like yeah well give up you know like you get be so distracted that you don't carry like recover yeah. and, and and carry on yeah 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 you know yeah it's it's a different one I mean for me um, improvising has always been something that I think has been a real strong point and jamming with people mm-hmm. and I think it's because at a young age I didn't really have lessons so much but my dad would get as many people around to jam with them as possible uh, and that that really helped with kind of those situations um, so a lot of people they routinely like they practice their track um, so it's absolutely perfect to the track that they've released um, but consequently if they go off track like ever so slightly um, they find it really difficult to recover uh, or if they make a, a one note mistake you know yeah. it's like it's ruined their evening it's crazy you know how much pressure they put on themselves you know um you know we, we obviously we want to play to the best of our ability and showcase what sure. we can do but at the same time um uh, i'm you know I'm, I'm not afraid to like you know kind of uh, screw a few bits up or improv and react and kind of change things on, on the fly and recover you know as yeah. soon as possible you know so gotta have fun you know and i think that comes becomes you know the priority and I think, that, yeah, I mean, the more I play to, to a, a wider range of backing tracks and like, and really like try to hone some yeah. skill of listening and the whole thing, Yeah. the more, I mean, I play a thousand wrong notes when I'm at home by myself, not recording, you know, like yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but a lot of it has to, uh, it's, it's been a really great practice to yeah. play a wrong note and either a keep going if I'm really, really yeah. like, focused on a certain, totally. certain line or something, yeah. but also like you said earlier play almost any note yeah it's just it's how you end up phrasing it can you turn it into a phrase yeah totally kind of makes sense totally Totally. and um yeah it's 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 just about the recovery and the reaction and um you know the mindset as well you know it's funny it's like a lot of people practice so hard and then maybe they go in a music store 
or they play in front of people for the first time and then the tunnel vision kicks in and everything they've worked on and practiced just goes out of the window, you know? Totally. And, um, you know, that that's a big thing for a lot of people and um, it's actually something that comes up a lot on the messages on my um, School of McRock platform. Um, it's like, I, I practice, you know, these things really hard and I go to jam with people and then it all goes out the window and it just goes down to the very basics. And it's like, I think a lot of the time in those in that situation, it's a self-belief and confidence thing and, you know, kind of right, no matter what, I'm going to kind of play exactly the same note no matter what the situation. If it's like in front of, you know, your wife or a thousand people or more, you know, it's just you have to have that kind of confidence. Now, the interesting thing is the confidence doesn't necessarily need to be real. Hmm. So you can give yourself a little bullshit and say, <laughs> I'm going to play the guitar and whoever I play in front of or I'm, whoever I'm going to jam with, I'm going to annihilate them because, you know, I'm me. Yeah. Yeah. So you can think like that. I like and that. And now if you put that out there, you, you sound like an arrogant mofo, but you need a little bit of that sure. to get you over the edge. And when it's like coming to like, okay, when it's time to play to your uh, full ability, because this mistakes are one thing but not playing to your full ability because um, a, a mindset or a, a fear, that's the worst thing, you know, the crippling part of it, you know? Yeah. So, like, you need to have that kind of mindset, like, I'm going to blaze, I'm going to kill it, I'm going to own everybody in front of me right now, and I don't care what it takes. Yeah. And then, you know, then, then you go. I love that. I love because it's like a kind of fake it till you make it kind yeah. of like a thing. But with a guitar. But with a guitar. Yeah. And I love... Uh, I mean, well, the, 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 I guess what I've been saying all along is that just the more time on the job, yeah. so like if you want to get be good at jamming with people, yeah. you need to jam with people yeah. all yeah. the time totally. as much as possible. Yeah, be, yeah. be willing to get in front of a lot of other guitar players that are way better than you. Yeah. And I like this too because my buddy Joe has been coming over a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a he's an MI kid. He's like really, really yeah. schooled and studied a lot of players yeah. that I haven't studied yeah, yeah. makes a lot more sense than me yeah sure but I love I love hearing somebody else make sense in front of me and watching the process and going yeah and and I, I notice how my phrasing starts to change as we're jamming over the same jam track or, yeah, or yeah, we're yeah. trading fours or whatever uh-huh. and it's like and I, I listen to his I'm like oh and it, it gives me these different exa- examples and these ideas yeah. and before you know it the, st- the anxiety of playing in front of somebody yeah. isn't there anymore. Yeah, it's, exactly. Or it's at such a low level. Yeah, that that's it. That you can play what you would yeah. like to play. Then you know. Yeah. So I think that's it. It's just like basically do whatever um, is required to just make sure that the tunnel vision shutdown thing doesn't you know kind of kick in. You know, because you know I, I, when when I started doing lives on Instagram you know, like a couple of years back, I remember the first couple of times I'd do it, I'd, I'd have a little bit of that happen. I was like. Oh damn, we're live now. The pressure's on to you know uh, sweat, sweat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's no going back. You know, people are going to see mistakes. But like, uh, the more you do it, um, you kind of just become accustomed to kind of just not letting that stuff affect you, and just kind of you know just just having as much belief in what you're doing as possible. And dude, like, I honestly, anytime somebody that is proficient at the guitar as you are mm-hmm. shows. Their, their human side and shows their mistakes yeah it's actually such a beautiful gift to the rest of yeah. us because it's this it's it, there's a weird thing where like women and mm-hmm. and men too but oftentimes yeah. women look at these uh, beautiful magazines like that's yeah. that's the what I'm supposed to look like yeah, and yeah they have yeah. this weird 
That's you know, right. thing. We do that with as guitarists too. 100%. We look out and we go, oh, I'm, you know, if I'm going to be re- re- loved and respected as a guitar player, I yeah. have to be perfect yeah. and I have to be as good or all, in all these ways. Yeah. And I can't so, show that I, there's any weakness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's not true. It's just Absolutely. not true. There's a huge process behind the scenes. Yeah. And whenever we show a bit of it, or we just. Yeah. Just show that, like, it's a little, yeah, it's not perfect, you know? Yeah, no, uh, 100%. Uh, and, and it's often, it's like, it's those moments and that bit that kind of, you know, makes you really dig that that person or player even Agreed. more, you know? Um, yeah, it's it's funny because, like, for me, I, I, I love to see somebody improv and around the track as opposed to just reciting the track perfectly. I'm much more impressed by, you know, like something that, you know, some a little slip up caused this diversion, but it ended yeah. up being okay in the end. I love that. Whereas, like you know, I mean, watching somebody do forty-five minutes of their record and it sounds exactly like the record. I mean, technically, we'll, you know, we'll get the scorecards out and we'll give them tens, but like it wasn't. It's never that enjoyable. Um, That's you it. know, it's like oh, okay, that was great. I could have just put the CD on though. That's it. And I, I, there's so many great players that can recite the record verbatim, and I get mm-hmm. that. And I'm so, I'm, I, you know, I get, I, I agree. Like, mm-hmm. the technical proficiency is there. And yeah. Great job. Sure. But if I, I already have the album. Yeah. Exactly. I already have your videos. Yeah. Like, I think, show me, <laughs> like, show me how, like, you're gonna express this song to me now, today, in this yeah. very moment. Exactly. And let it be a little different. Yeah. No. Even if it's just the, a, a shift of. Yeah, where the pocket is. Even if that's it's right. Like little exactly, things, because you know? yeah, depends how you feel. You know, it depends if you've had you know two chocolate balls before the show <laughs> and you're a little bit ahead of it. You know, um, or um, before I played Fishman earlier, you know, I was really hungry and my legs were like jellied. You know, and I could feel my arms jelly out. You know, uh, you, you, yeah. you know? and that actually settled me in to playing a little bit more. Really, because um, I had a little bit more of a battle with myself to make it happen. You know, and it wow. you know it's like. To play, you know, 50 minutes of a certain type of music without, you know, screwing it up so much, it's like, it takes a lot of mental power to, to do it. You know, yep. you think, okay, I play 10 hours a day, I play 6 hours a day, you just go do it, it's easy, it's a, it's a thing. But, like, you have to be, uh, you know, really in the right mindset to do it. And also, when you do make those little mistakes, which, you know, there's like three or four mistakes in the boss performance earlier, um, you know, some people notice it, some people won't. But like how I let that affect me for the rest of that, you know, gig. It's like, you know, that comes back to that mindset thing. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. But a lot of this, the, the sort of fifty-minute sets that I've done, um, most of it is the track. But then there's bits which I haven't learned the original solos from on purpose because it gives me that opportunity to kind of have the fun moments for myself, oh. which is the improv solo bits. Yeah. Um, um, so that's kind of what I've done You've kind here. of baked in your own improv stuff yeah. by, by kind of not yeah. purposely not going back and I've trying not to learn the record. That. Yeah. yeah. So like the that. main bits, like the memorable sort of melodies and stuff are all there. Um, but I haven't went back to try and learn the solos no for no. First of all, because it takes a long time to do it, because a lot of the time I'm like, yeah, let's just try that, let's try that. And then, of course, oh, what? I've got to play that live. Right. But then at the same time, it's like I could learn that and I have learned a lot of, you know, tr- uh, solos which are really like choppy, choppy, like really like edited together. Sure. And I relearn them again afterwards. Um, but then at the same time, I like to kind of leave um, space for those, uh, you know, kind of just how are you feeling at that moment? What's what's going on? Yeah, it's a um, fine line. I think yeah. uh, for, for artists in general, like when you come 
to see somebody uh, as a fan, you, your expectation is you, you definitely want to hear something familiar. Yeah. You're not looking for all improv. You're not yeah. looking for all like drastically different. You, I came here for something that I yeah. know about. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, if I get if it's all too perfect, yeah. then it's like I could have just stayed home, man. I didn't have to yeah. use the I didn't have exactly. to pay for parking to come see you, <laughs> you know? especially Nam parking. <laughs> yeah, Nam parking's outrageous <laughs> if you can find it. You exactly, know? Yeah. exactly. I think uh, I think we're a little over. Yeah, cool, man. Um, sorry, uh, but we have to s- shut it down, man. Shut it down. Yeah, it's all right. Nam police. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. These uh, guys uh, got other things to do. Awesome. Um, it's been th- so good talking to you, man. Yeah, Thank likewise. You. Thank That's you so fun. much for being my guest here, and um, my pleasure. Let's uh, let's let's take a picture out here and hang out. Amazing. Sounds good to me, buddy. Right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye.